Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. All right, RJ, training camp is upon us. Preseason's here, which means the regular season's just around the corner. So it seems like a good time to look at the division that the Seattle Kraken are going to be walking into. That, of course, is the Pacific Division. Now, the Pacific Division isn't in as great a shape as it's been in years past. Uh, as a whole of the division, it's just really not good right now. It's arguably the worst division in hockey um, when you look at it as a whole. Um, but, you know, maybe Seattle's going to turn the fortunes around, right? They could be the team that brings Stanley Cup back to the to the West Coast. That would be great to see. Um, but really, kind of without any further ado, let's dive right in. Um, we're going to break down each team in inverse order of their standings from last season. We're going based on points because the divisions were broken up because all the COVID shuffling around and stuff. Um, so that means the first team up is the Seattle Kraken because technically they had zero points last year. Um, we've talked about the Kraken just a ton. Obviously, that's what our channel is dedicated to. So we're not going to really spend too much time here. You and I, you know, we've talked about all the players we like and everything already. Feel free to go back and watch like literally any of our other videos about any of that. Um, but we both think that the Kraken are probably going to finish in the like 40, 45 win range, probably like 10 or so overtime losses because they're going to be a tough team to play against and probably, you know, finish most likely solidly in a playoff spot in this division just because of um, kind of how weak it is as a whole right now. So, you know, that's kind of what we think about for Seattle. So rolling right on into Anaheim, uh, I'll go first here. This is a team that just cannot score goals. They finished dead last in goals for last year. Their offense needs to come from somewhere. And really, unless there's a Jack Eichel deal, RJ, I don't really see where the offense is going to come from for the Ducks. I, you know, the blue line's going to get healthier this year. I think that's going to help them, you know, kind of be better. But ultimately, I don't believe in any of their young guys developing into 20 goal scorers. I don't believe in Troy Terry, Sam Steele, Max Jones, any of those guys kind of taking that next step. Uh, maybe Mason McTavish, who they took third overall this year, but I don't even know if he's going to play in the NHL this year. And it, even if he does, it'll take kind of time for him to get used to the speed of the game and everything like that. So uh, as far as I can see, this seems like a team destined to finish last in this division again and just kind of waste another season of John Gibson and Nett, who's, you know, in my opinion, easily a top five goalie in this league. It's just he's stuck with no offense. Yeah, the bottom line is this Ducks team is still in the midst of a major rebuild, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're ready to compete just yet. Um, goal scoring, major issue last season, and there's really no help or reinforcements there. Trevor Zegras you know, might help. Drysdale might help uh, bring some offense from the blue line, but at the end of the day, this is this is still probably around the you know 60 to 70 point pace team that we saw last season. I I have a hard time picturing them not finishing last in the division. Yeah. So do you have somebody like a player to watch? Let's kind of throw in a player to watch for each of these teams that Kraken fans can, you know, look out for whenever Seattle faces off against them. Uh, yes. My player to watch is Max Comtois. Uh, he was their leading point scorer last season with 33 points, which is 
pretty darn low. Um, but he did emerge from the pack of Ducks prospects. They had a bunch of kind of middle-tier prospects, and he did kind of emerge as the best of them. And it'll be interesting to see if he can still continue to develop. He's 22 years old. Uh, he can play center, and he does uh, provide something offensively that maybe can drive the Ducks to a little bit more goal scoring. So I'm interested to see uh, how he'll do. Dylan, anyone you're thinking? Yeah, for me, it's going to be Ricard Raquel. Um, he had, you know, easily like his worst season ever last year for them. Um, they really seem insistent on him not being a center for some reason. I felt like his best years in Anaheim, he was a center and they just don't want him to be anymore. Uh, it's kind of weird to me, but I think if, I, you know, if he bounces back this year, you know, he'll be a storyline for one of two reasons. One, because he'll be providing offense to a lineup that really, really needs it. And maybe he can drag them out of the basement a little or, you know, there was a lot of trade talks about him last trade deadline over the offseason. If he bounces back, maybe, you know, GM Murray, Bob Murray gets, you know, his asking price met for Raquel uh, because Raquel is showing that he still has it and, and he can be flipped at the deadline. So I think Raquel's kind of the guy to watch for Anaheim just because I think, you know, he's going to be a storyline either way. Either he's going to bounce back and and lead the team in scoring, or he's going to bounce back and be traded and, you know, further along this rebuild for the Ducks. Um, I'm going to cede the, the floor to you to talk about this next team uh, because you have, you know, a far more intimate knowledge with them than I do. So why don't you tell us about the San Jose Sharks? Yep. Next, we are looking at the Sharks who finished seventh in the eight-team West Division ahead of only the Ducks. Uh, they had 49 points last season which is only a 72 point pace again not very good uh now it's worth noting that the last time an expansion team came to the nhl the sharks quickly became their biggest rival now of course we're talking about the sharks golden knights rivalry that for my money was at a time the best rivalry in the nhl i mean there was just so much actual hatred on both sides it was really something to see but i don't see that happening with the sharks and the kraken and that's mostly because the sharks have become almost entirely irrelevant as a franchise over the last couple of years. And I think they figured it'd be that way for at least five more years. You know, like the Ducks, the Sharks had considerable success in the 2000s and 2010s, but they're about to have a harder time landing from that than most of the teams that are rebuilding now, as they're stuck with some of the worst contracts in the entire league. You know, Carlson, Vlasic, Burns, Evander Kane, all unmovable and with multiple years left in term. Basically, I can't think of an NHL team that is in a worse position, both short and long-term, than the Sharks. Now, that's not to say the Sharks are a bad hockey team this season. You know, they made improvements to their depth forward group, and they completely overhauled their goalie group that was one of the worst in the NHL over the last three years. So they figured to be better than last season, but is that good enough to actually compete for a playoff spot? What do you think, Dylan? I don't think so. I, I think... Kind of like with Anaheim, yeah, they they helped out their depth forwards, but I, I'm struggling to see where like a bunch of offense is going to come from, particularly as you know the Evander Kane situation is so in flux right now. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Obviously, if he's not around, they're missing their top goal scorer from last season. Um, even if he is around, what kind of shape is he going to be in mentally? How's he going to play with everybody? We don't know. Um, so I, I worry a little bit about where the goals are going to come from. That defense is so bad. Like they have three, you know, double digit AAV guys back there and 
And right now, Brent Burns, well, I guess it's not three of them. It's only Eric Carlson. It's just so much. It feels it like eight, three yeah, of them. Yeah. Seven. But it's, it's just Brent Burns is the only one that seems playable right now. Like Vlasic last year didn't look like himself at all to me. He just was making mistakes that we've never seen him make before. Um, and, you know, Burns is the oldest. He's 36. So uh, I just don't know about this defense. I don't know about the depth below them at all. I don't believe in it. Um, and then with goalie, yes, they, they overhauled it, and they're going to hand the reins over to Aiden Hill, who's never been a full-time starter before. And you're going to throw him behind this defense and this offense that, you know, He's not going to get a bunch of goal support. I don't know about what kind of defense he's going to see in front of him. I, I just I think there's going to be a lot of up and downs with him as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I don't see this team competing for a playoff spot. Um, as far as a player to watch, I guess my player to watch would be Aiden Hill. There's you know a lot of talk about him. The Coyotes, you know, ne they needed to move a goalie because of the expansion draft. Um, and there's a lot of talk about him as, you know, is he ready to take this next step and be a starter? Has he proven enough, you know, playing basically part-time with the Coyotes? Um, I, I think he'll do okay. I just don't think that the Sharks were a good situation for him to fall in and kind of, you know, have be his trial by fire as a true number one. But I think if, if he can, you know, pull it out and, and do okay, then, you know, the Sharks might not even be a bottom two team in the division. Yeah, I, Aiden Hill is certainly going to be one to watch. I mean, a lot is going to rest on him, but you know, if the defense is bad enough, it might not matter. My player to watch uh, is going to be Kevin LeBanc. Uh, he is someone who the Sharks, you know, he was a promising player for the Sharks when they were good. They made a one-year, one million dollar deal with him to kind of save cap room, and I'm sure there was an you know kind of unspoken agreement to pay him later, which they did, and now it looks like. You know, he's not living up to his cap hit, but I know he's someone that they signed and paid like a top six forward. And that's what he's going to have to be, especially if Evander Kane is out. If the Sharks want to have any hope of competing. Uh, but I, I don't see that happening, but it, it's it's something to look at. And I think they're going to need to rely on him. For sure. All right, so moving ahead to the Los Angeles Kings. Now, this is a team I think is going to rise the most of any team in the division year over year. Uh, I think they're going to be sneaky good this year. Quinton Byfield being able to ease into the lineup as their third line center and then you know probably move past a recent free agent signing, Philip Deneau. Uh, as the year goes on, as he gets more comfortable, I think that's going to do well. I think he's going to see a lot of power play time. And that's going to be great for his development. Um, Alex Turcotte's a stud. He's a complete winger. I think he's going to you know come into the lineup at some point this year and do really well uh arthur kaliev is the sniper that this team has been waiting for for like 15 years it seems like you know they won two cups and they never had a true goal, goal scorer this is the guy they've been waiting for so you add like those three guys coming into the lineup this year they don't really have any nhl experience add them to guys like gabe velarde who already showed us that you know he belongs in the nhl last year and i think will take another step forward this year and i think you know, the rebuild is kind of here for Los Angeles. I don't think they're going to be a basement team. They might not make the playoffs, but if all these guys do come into the lineup and they start making impacts as the season goes on, maybe they sneak into the playoffs. And that's where this team would be really, really dangerous when you have that center combination of Kopitar and Deneau and then Byfield. Like that's, 
that would be really, really tough to play against in the playoffs where defense becomes that much more important. You have, you know, two of maybe the three or four best defensive two-way centers in the whole league on this team. I think they'd be really scary if they can get to the playoffs. But in order to get to the playoffs, the young guys got to take a step forward. The defense has to show that, you know, they have something left. And really, it's going to come down to goaltending. You know, can Jonathan Quick kind of regain form a little bit and while he's split in time with um, Cal Peterson? So what do you think about the, uh, the Kings, RJ? Yeah, I'm a little more bearish than you on the Kings. Um, you know, I'm going to have to disagree about, you know, their chances. I, I think it's unlikely to make the playoffs. And, you know, even if they do get there, um, I think Todd McClellan, as a coach, his teams in the playoffs have been, I guess, mentally fragile is a way to put it. Uh, they have a hard time closing out series. Um, and, you know, we obviously follow hockey pretty closely. And so we've known about these prospects for a while now. You know, we've seen the draft capital attached to guys like Byfield and Turcotte. Um, but when you have these young players, you're going to have rookie mistakes and you're going to have growing pains. And this is something the Kings saw last season. And, you know, their coach, Todd McClellan, even sounded kind of exasperated by the end of the season talking about, you know, we just keep making the mistakes over and over, these same mistakes. And I, I don't see that going away with, uh, this season with all the youth coming in, you know, while you do have guys like Dano or Victor Arvidsson that kind of plug holes in the forward group, there's still a lot of questions besides the top guys. Like, you know, where are the goals going to come from, Dylan? Like their top goal scorer last season was Dustin Brown with only 17. And the Ducks even had higher goal scorers than that. You know, Dustin Brown's 37 now. I don't think he's going to repeat that pace. I just don't see where the goals come from. I mean, after that, you have Kempe 14, Kopitar 13. It's just not enough to put you know, the points on the board. And that's not even looking at the defense yet. You've got Drew Doughty, who's not his former self, although he's probably going to be pretty motivated, you know, to try and make the Olympic team. I don't know how likely that really is for him, but he's going to be trying as hard as he can. But beyond that, you got, you know, Mikey Anderson, Sean Walker, Oli Mata, you know, that's not really a playoff caliber blue line to me. Um, and then in net, you know, you've got Cal Peterson, who has looked very good over the last couple seasons. And I think he's moving ahead as their number one. Actually, like an hour before we started recording this, the Kings re-signed him uh, to a three-year deal at $5 million per. So they clearly see him as their goalie of the future. Um, but then you've got Jonathan Quick, who's been one of the worst goalies in the NHL over the last three years. And I have a hard time imagining he's going to get less than 30 games. So he's going to need to step it up, as you said. Um, so, you know, could the Kings find themselves, like, on the playoff bubble if they do well if everything breaks right sure but i don't think it's all that likely yeah i mean obviously i disagree with you i think i think this you know there's a there's a handful of teams in this division where it's kind of like they're going to go as the breaks go and i just feel like the kings are going to be the team this year where everything's going to break the right direction for them i think the young guys you know yes you're going to see rookie mistakes from guys like Byfield and Turcotte, but they're also like better than the rookies that they had on the roster last year. Like we're not talking Austin Wagner again. You know what I mean? Like, like these are guys Byfield second overall pick. Like everyone knows this guy is a stud. I think having that year of AHL development for all of them when normally they would be playing major junior is going to help, you know, kind of iron out some of those mistakes that you might normally see from guys like them. And, you know, I think the defense has enough 
uh, has enough like kind of veteran guys that I think they can pull it together for uh, you know a couple months at a time. I don't think it's going to be great year long, but I think you know if if all of them kind of you know get their mojo back at, at roughly the same time, I could see this team having you know a good two to three month stretch somewhere that that again in this division would be enough for them to maybe compete for a playoff spot. But you know we'll see. Um, player to watch for the Kings. I don't know. I, I'm going to say, you know, just for Seattle Kraken fans, if you're new to hockey, watch watch Andre Kopitar because, like, the dude is insane. He's amazing. As you were saying, they had no scoring last year, and yet he was still basically a point-per-game player. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't even get started on how great he is defensively. So if you're new to hockey, watch Kopitar. Otherwise, I, I'm just going to stick with my guy, Philip Deneau. I just love that guy. And, and I just, again, I think everyone needs to watch and just respect his two-way play. Yes, he's only going to have... I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think the over-under goals for him this year is probably, what, three and a half? That might be a little <laughs> generous even. But I, I just think he's going to play really well. And I think I think um, both him and, and especially Kopitar are going to help, uh, you know, Quinn Byfield ease in. And I think that's going to also be something fun to watch. Yeah, we, we know you're a fan of the defensive centers. And, uh, I mean, Kopitar, love that recommendation. You know, I was lucky enough to see a lot of his prime, you know, in the past and He's one hell of a player. Um, my player to watch is Drew Doughty. And not even that I think he's going to, you know, do particularly well, but it's going to be entertaining one way or the other. You know, he kind of vocally called for the Kings to finish with the rebuild. You know, he said, you know, we're not getting any younger, talking about the core, you know, Doughty and Kopitar. And um, he's ready for the team to compete. And I know he's motivated uh, by making the Canadian Olympic team. You know, as unlikely as that might be, he is going to be giving full effort, 100% every single game, and it's going to be entertaining one way or the other. Yeah, that it will be. All right, RJ, why don't you break down our rivals to the north, the Vancouver Canucks? Yes, the Vancouver Canucks finished last place in the North Division last season with only 50 points, and that's just a 73-point pace. So basically last season was a nightmare year for the Canucks, and... You know, with injuries and COVID playing a big part, you know, in their finish in the standings, I don't think either of us believe they'll be that bad again this year. Uh, but, you know, are they the team that took Vegas to seven games in the second round a couple of years ago? You know, GM Jim Benning certainly made some moves to that end. You know, he traded the ninth overall pick this past year to jettison some bad contracts, bring in Oliver Ekman Larson this offseason. You know, that figures to make the team better this year. You know, there's probably a long-term cost to it. But, you know, they're they're trying to improve. And, oh, yeah, their best two players still aren't under contract. You know, like, that that's something they've got to resolve. Um, so what do we make of the Canucks this season, Dylan? You know, are they last in the division again? Or, you know, are they candidates to win a couple of playoff rounds? Or maybe somewhere in between? I think, again, much like with the Kings, this is a team where a lot of things are going to have to break their way if they are to compete for a playoff spot, and I don't see how that's going to be possible. As you said, two best players don't have contracts in, um, obviously, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. They only have $10.5 million in cap space. I don't think that's going to be enough cap space to sign both those guys. And again, you're talking, you know, we're like literally days away from training camp starting, you know, 
does does one or both of these drag into preseason into regular season these contract disputes i don't know are they able to get them or one of them to just sign like a kind of a cheap one-year deal just to get through this season and try to figure out what they're going to do cap wise or does benning have to get creative here and try to make a trade We've heard that Bo Horvat, you know, there's been trade rumors around him. Obviously, I think he's a center that they absolutely, well, I don't want to say they absolutely need, but I think he's the perfect, you know, yin-yang counterpart to Pedersen on this team. But if they have to move him to clear up that five and a half million to be able to re-sign both Hughes and Pedersen, I think that makes this team a lot worse. But Really, as far as things that have to break their way, they need all their young guys to step up again. You know, obviously last year, all of them had bad seasons. Pedersen needs to bounce back and be a number one center from a point production standpoint. That that frees up Horvat to kind of more lock things down defensively. Quinn Hughes needs to figure out if he wants to take the next step and be like, you know, a complete defenseman or if he wants to just focus on offense and become a superstar like Kale McCarr. Um, but either way, I think he needs to kind of choose one direction at this point and focus on and, and just work on becoming, you know, a top five guy in either direction. Um, Brock Besser needs to show he can be a 30 goal scorer. We It seems like every year it's like, oh, this will be the year. Still hasn't happened yet. He's got to show that eventually. Um, and then lastly, Thatcher Demko for the first time looked like an NHL goalie last year or certainly someone who could be a capable starter. But at the same time, it's it's taken, what, five years since he was drafted? No, longer. It's been seven years since he was drafted to be their number one guy. And at age 24, 25, he was just finally starting to put it together. I know goalies take longer to develop, but... I'm not sold that he's the guy. They gave him the contract like he's the guy. I'm just not sold he's the guy. And and I think if he's not, I, I don't know that even Yaroslav Halak's going to be enough to kind of salvage this team. And, oh my gosh, OEL. I mean, I, I don't know what he's going to do in this blue line. Yeah, I'm I'm taking that into account. By the way, I you know I'm I'm not counting on OEL to you know go you know be this you know top pairing defenseman again. And I will say I am, I am assuming that Pedersen and Hughes get done uh, one way or another. I mean, there there are RFAs. It'll work itself out. Whether they have to, I think what's going to happen with that is that Benning's going to have to sign them to shorter term bridge deals. You know, at lower value, which is going to be terrible long term for the organization. You want to sign your superstars as long as you possibly can, but I think that's the sacrifice he's going to have to make. Um, but again, for this season. That's not going to hurt anything. And the Canucks are another team where they're going to have to get the breaks going their way uh, to make the playoffs. But I, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, they're a team that's kind of well-suited for the regular season. They have that high-end scoring when everyone's healthy. And the deficiencies on the blue line won't get exposed as easily as they would in, say, a playoff series. Um, I really do like their goaltending tandem, and I think that's the key. Thatcher Demko, you say you're not sold on him. I'm sold on him. I think he's a bona fide NHL starter. He's just entering his prime. And yes, goalies are late bloomers. That's that's what they are. It happens. Um, and then Yaro Halak. I mean, this is something the Canucks identified as a need last season and having another goalie they could pair with Thatcher Demko. They brought in Braden Holtby. He didn't work for that at all. And I do think Halak is going to be what the Canucks had hoped Holtby would be. And I think over the course of a regular season, that's going to be incredibly stabilizing for this team. Yeah, um, 
coming back around one last time to Pedersen and Hughes, do you think both these deals get done before the season starts, or do you think one or both of them will lag into the regular season? Because I think we saw last year, this is not a mentally strong team. And again, I love Travis Green as a coach, obviously, and, and I feel like all this is happening to him rather than because of him. But I just feel like if, if one or both of those contracts gets dragged out into the regular season, then the player gets signed, then they come in, who knows what kind of shape they're in, they got to get worked back into the lineup, all that stuff. I just feel like something as, as small or as big as that would be enough to basically torpedo this team from a chemistry standpoint, from a mental makeup standpoint. So kind of, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but do you think it's, you know, better than 50% odds that both players are signed before the regular season starts? I think it is. And it's because Benning has that short-term deal, uh, you know, in his, in his toolbox, basically, that he can use. And I think ultimately Benning is willing to compromise the future success of the team so that he can make sure everything's in order for this season. I agree with your premise that, that you know, not having them there for the start of the season can be as harmful as you say. And I think Benning knows that. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to give in probably on term uh, to make it happen so that they're there by the start of the season. So I'd say greater than 50% odds. Um, yeah. And I think, looking at it from a Kraken perspective, this is good that, you know, your rival's going to be doing this, going all in for this season where everything's so iffy and sacrificing long-term. So I think we're going to enjoy watching that for a long time. For sure. Yes. Jim Benning trying to, trying to keep his job is going to be a powerful motivator for him uh, the next week or two. Um, player to watch for Vancouver? Uh, Yarrow Halak. I mentioned him earlier. I think he's going to be exactly what they need as far as like a stabilizing uh, 1B in the rotation. Yeah, for me, it's Thatcher Demko. If if he's not the guy, it's going to be fun to watch, and it's going to be fun to watch that Vancouver media. Um, moving ahead to the Calgary Flames. So in my opinion, this is the team most likely to regress in the division. Um, I think they're, they still very much need an identity, and I don't know that the Daryl Sutter identity is going to be the one that sticks with them. Um, it just doesn't, it still doesn't match the personnel for me. And that's what I can't get it, get it behind. Um, rather than trying to get Sean Monahan and Johnny Goudreau going again, they're just going to probably force them into this box of trying to be two way guys. That's just going to completely muzzle and neuter their offensive abilities. Matthew Kachuk's going to be happy. Awesome. Great. But you know, who else is going to be like an offensive powerhouse for this team? Who else is going to be able to, you know, keep up with McDavid and Dreisaitl to their North, right? Um, overpriced Blake Coleman is like that the answer? I don't think it probably is. Um, their system and the depth players they brought in are suited to playoff hockey, but I, I, they got to get to the playoffs first and I don't see it happening for this team. I think things are going to go wrong. I think this is going to be the time that, you know, Daryl Sutter coming in as a coach is not going to work. I know there's a lot of, you know, past evidence that says it will just because that's what he does. But I think, I think this is the team where it's not going to work. Well, that's awfully brave of you betting against Daryl Sutter. I mean, he's had success everywhere he's gone and I just can't bring myself to do it. I think he's going to make it work somehow. It's odd looking at the personnel uh, saying that, you know, you look for maybe Monaghan or Goudreau to have been moved in this past offseason with Sutter coming in, and they weren't. Uh, so you might see, well, there's not a personnel fit, really. But I think they've made some quiet steps, some quiet acquisitions that are kind of going to transform it into more of a Sutter team. Blake Coleman, as you mentioned, he's a perfect fit for that. Yes, he's overpriced, but 
for this season. I mean, he's still there. He's still good. And on the blue line, Nikita Zadorov and Eric Goodbranson. I mean, those are two, you know, big guys who can impose themselves physically. They're going to help against Edmonton at least, you know, get some, <laughs> get some physicality on guys like, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, where especially we know that stuff isn't always called, you know, as penalties, even when it should be. Um, so I think there, there is kind of a soft makeover going over there. Um, it's a tough fit for Gaudreau, but Matthew Kachuk, as you said, he's going to be happy. I think it's going to be a great fit for him. And, you know, maybe we'll see some extra offensive production. But at the end of the day, these Sutter teams don't require a ton of goals. Um, you know, we've seen that. And they can kind of cobble together the goal scoring they're going to need. So I, I just can't bet against Daryl Sutter. I think he's going to find a way to make it work. I guess the reason I'm willing to bet against Sutter this go-around is I look at their goaltending. And I feel like Sutter has always had strong goaltending, at least when he's been successful. And I just look at this and I go, I don't know that Markstrom's the guy for this team. I feel like this is a team that, while I like their their defense from a depth perspective, there's no, now that they've lost Mark Giordano, hey, thanks for that, by the way, uh, from us here in Seattle. Um, I, I don't know who the leader of this defense is going to be. Is maybe Tanev. I I don't know, and I don't. I just don't trust Markstrom after the last couple of years he's strung together. Um, particularly last year there, he just never looked comfortable to me. And I feel like if he's not going to be comfortable there, not going to be comfortable in that system, there's nobody behind him ready to come up and and take over that job. So, I just think that's going to be an issue. And yeah, again, Blake Coleman, he's going to be a fit, but. Is he going to score 25 goals? No, he's not. He's just not. He's never been that guy. He's not going to be that guy. Uh, so I I just, I don't see where it's all supposed to work out this this time for Sutter when I look at this roster. But, you know, he's, he's proven doubters wrong a, a million times in the past. Maybe I'll just be added to that pile. But for now, I just don't see it. Uh, my player to watch is uh, Elias Lindholm just because I feel like he's overlooked every year. He's like one of the best second line centers in the league. He's just a fantastic player, great two-way guy, but he also puts up points, put up 47 points last year, uh, would be a 20-goal scorer if, you know, in a regular season. So um, he's a player to watch just because I think he's, he's criminally underrated. Yeah, my player to watch is uh, Nikita Zadorov. I mean, you mentioned it with the loss of Giordano, like that's not just losing their captain. He's also their ice time leader. Uh, and someone's going to have to go in and fill those minutes. And Zadorov and Daryl Sutter just seems like a perfect match to me. You know, the type of game that he plays. I could see Sutter giving him more money, minutes than he's had uh, in the past. Um, just such a strong physical defenseman. I mean, he really does kind of play on the edge of the rules too. I think we're going to see some entertaining moments with him, maybe against Edmonton. Uh, so I guess keep an eye on him. Yeah. All right. Why don't you tell us about the other Alberta team, RJ, the Edmonton Oilers? Yes. Uh, on the other side of Alberta, we have uh, our first team that actually made the playoffs last year. Uh, as we're going through this division preview, only two teams left. Uh, but yes, they actually made the playoffs. Finished second in the North Division, 72 points. That's a 105-point pace, uh, which is pretty darn good. Um, but then the Oilers, of course, were swept out of the first round by the Winnipeg Jets, who were then themselves swept by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but, you know, we could sit here and make fun of the Oilers' playoffs, uh, playoff failures all day. 
Um, but let's look at how we think they'll do this season. You know, does that 105-point pace show who the Oilers really are? Are they going to be able to keep that up uh, over the course of a full season? What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, probably just because McDavid and Drysaddle are going to do what they do every year and just drag the rest of this roster to the playoffs. Um, you know, they're going to do what they do. They're just going to try to win shootout after shootout. And by that, I mean, high scoring games, not actual shootouts to end overtime. Um, Nuge is fantastic. Again, I'm going to, you know, just gush over the, the two way center. Ooh, it's, it's so great. I, I'm sure everyone's tired of me doing that for every roster we come across now. Um, but they give, they give Nuge no help as far as guys who can help him be two way. And then they'll just like move him up the lineup and have him try to focus on offense, even though really that's not what they need him to be doing because they already have you know two of the best in the world to do that. They just never know how to use him, it seems like. Darnell Nurse is great on the blue line, but I think losing um, Adam Larson is going to be a big deal for them. I don't think Duncan Keith is going to be the answer. You know, I, I think I agree with most of the world there, maybe everyone outside of Edmonton and some pockets of Chicago. Um as, as a Penguins fan, I know some people were excited by the Cody CC signing, to which I would say, why? I really don't see that one helping them out either. Uh, I don't think Clefbaum's going to be healthy enough to go into this season. It doesn't sound like it. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be around at all this year, which is unfortunate. Um, Tyson Berry came back. Great. He'll help out their offense that doesn't really need help. And then, you know, goalie again. What, what are they going to do? Who knows? But whatever it is, it's going to be bad. But... Like I said, doesn't matter. This team's going to somehow get to 100 points just because they have the best player in the world. And and yes, I'm annoyed by that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to agree with you. I, they're they're going to find their way to 100 points somehow. Um, I literally, you know, have my notes here. Just McDavid's going to do his thing. Dreisaitl's going to do his thing. Um, yeah, looking at the offensive indicators, they're great. You know, Tyson Berry's back. Kyler Yamamoto's a year older, more developed. I think that's going to help a lot. On the blue line, God, the acquisitions. Uh, you know, Cody CC. You know, Duncan Keith, you know, the value on that trade was awful. But I don't think he makes their blue line worse this season. Um, so I, I think there's a chance he helps the on-ice product a little bit. Uh, Evan Bouchard is a year older, and I think he's ready to make an impact in the NHL. You know, we'll see what he's able to do. God, the biggest question of this team is how the heck do you go into this season with this goalie tandem still intact? Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. I mean, Elliot Friedman did say this morning, as I was reading before recording this, that they're not done goaltending-wise, that they're looking to make a change. I don't know what else is still out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you said it pretty well. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's probably going to be bad. Uh, the one way I could see this potentially being saved is if they give Stuart Skinner a chance uh, and he's able to pull a, pull in a Delkovich, you know, kind of this, this rookie that no one's thinking about goes in and gets hot. You know, we know with goaltending that can happen. You know, I would give him a chance and see what he can do. Um, but yeah, I just see Oilers, man. It's the Oilers. Yeah, and and before anyone leaves a comment and asks, well, oh, Dylan, you're talking all about the two-way centers. Why, why didn't you mention their Zach Hyman signing? It's because he's not a two-way center. He's an energy guy. He's a depth guy. I, I don't think he's going to come in and really change anything for this team. He'll probably have 20 goals just because he's going to be going up against fourth liners all the time cause, and everyone's going to be exhausted from chasing McDavid and Dreisaitl around the ice. So he'll probably be a 20 to 25 goal scorer. But again, I, 
is he going to be the answer in the playoffs for them? No, like it's just no. And and yeah, that the goaltending is just it's it's literally painful to look at just just the numbers that they put up year after year. It's it's unfortunate that you know the best player in the world is kind of stuck in this situation. And yeah, I don't know what they're supposed to do about goaltending. It's late September. Like <laughs> it's it's kind of late to be making goaltending moves unless you're you know trading for someone for a rental. But it seems a little early to be doing that too. So I don't know. All right, uh, player to watch for the Oilers. Do you have one, RJ? Yeah, uh, for me, it's Evan Bouchard. Um, they need solutions on defense. He's a first-round draft pick, and I know they believe in him very strongly. Um, he's going to have to, you know, show he can be a difference maker at the NHL level this season if they want to get to that next level. I mean, they were relying on him very heavily. Um, you know, long-term on defense. So I'm interested to see what he can do. How about you? Yeah, for me, it's Jesse Pularvi. Pularvi. There we go. Gosh. Uh, Pool party. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, Needs some water, I guess. Anyway, you know, he was the fourth overall pick back in 2016. Uh, Did not come into the NHL and do well by anyone's standards. We all kind of know that. A lot of stuff came out later. He was very homesick, missing Finland, that kind of stuff. Um, but he really bounced back. He took he took a year off uh, the the 1920 season. He took a year off, went back to Finland, and it seems like that did him a lot of good. He came back last year, really bounced back, scored 15 goals. I think if he's really back and for real, you know, like he was when he was drafted, I think he's going to be a guy who can come in, be a 20 to 25 goal scorer. If he can hang with McDavid like they've been hoping all along, that would be fantastic for him. And um, you know, I, I just hope that uh, he's he's in a much better mental place now than he was. And, and, you know, I, I want him to be successful. So he's going to be the player to watch for me because if he does bounce back, I think he could be something really special for them. All right. So looking ahead to the final team. Now, the Las Vegas golden Knights, obviously they're one of the best teams in the NHL. They're the most recent expansion team before the Seattle Kraken. And we all know the success they had. They definitely won't let anyone forget it. Um, <laughs> But RJ, is there simultaneously a team as deep and as shallow as the Vegas Golden Knights? Got the deepest blue line in the division by like light years. It's not even close. Not counting Seattle, but you know, that's that's just I'm just leaving them out because they technically haven't played yet. Um, they've got arguably the best goaltender behind John Gibson in the division. Um, again. Grubauer with Seattle. I, I, I kind of wrote these notes, not factoring in Seattle at the moment, just because we're breaking down the teams as they were last season, mostly. Um, they've got depth of scoring that I don't think really a lot of teams in this division can match at all, but they don't have a center. You can't win in today's NHL without a center, certainly not in the playoffs. That's been their problem now the last couple seasons. Just like with Anaheim, barring a Jack Eichel trade, I don't see anything changing there for them. And so, to me, this just seems like a team that's destined to once again rack up a thousand points in the standings by playing in this pretty poor overall division. And then, you know, win a playoff series or two, but ultimately fail because they just don't have that one or two guys that they can lean on at the most important position and win, you know, a championship. Right. And one of the big changes that they made uh, this offseason was getting rid of of franchise cornerstone, defending Vesna Trophy winner Marc-Andre Fleury. 
And the idea, you know, should have been that you can spend that seven million dollars in cap space on a center somewhere else. And they didn't really get that that big name center that I think they should have pursued. Um, you know, Jack Eichel trade is always still on the table, but you know, looking at his timeline, even if they do that, you know, he's probably ready maybe for the start of the playoffs a little bit sooner. You know, it, it doesn't really impact them in the regular season, but um, you know, they were on a hundred twenty point pace regular season pace last season you know finished tied for first in points in the nhl certainly as weak as this division is i don't see that changing i think you know they are going to just glide to the top spot in this division um i mean you know they're the only team in the division that won a playoff game last year uh so i don't think they're gonna have any issue with that um yeah i think they're basically just gonna be waiting until the playoffs start yeah and and again i just don't know you know, Mark Stone did everything a human could possibly do to try to will that team to a Stanley Cup final, and he just, no one backed him up, it felt like. Like, they team, they seemed really sleepy last year in the playoffs to me, and that's crazy considering, you know, it wasn't like they were bad in the playoffs by most team stretches, but certainly they disappointed for them. Um, I, I think Leonard's going to be able to hold down the fort in net. I, I think people forget just how good he is at times. Um, particularly in the regular season. Yes, we kind of got to see it from him in the playoffs now with Vegas, but I think he's going to be fine. Defense has no problems. It's just that it's just that center hole that I, I just, I don't know. I mean, really the only center they brought in this year was Nolan Patrick. Who's and one is of he going to be the solution to, to yeah. their center woes? I don't know. No, I mean, I, he's... I don't think so. He's on track to be one of the biggest busts probably in NHL draft history, right? This is a guy who was taken second overall, and last year, playing basically the full season, he put up four goals and nine points. So I just I don't know what they were doing when it came to this offseason plans. Not you know I understand moving Flower to free up that cap space. I don't agree with how they did it, and I don't think anybody does. We we obviously know that was an issue, but then to just turn around and and not use that money to to fix the thing. I know they were pursuing Philip Deneau. I know it came down to the Kings and Vegas for him. Um, but again, even him, yes, he would help immensely in the playoffs for them, but he wasn't going to be like the offensive two-way guy that's you know going to take over and and really lead this team to the promised land. So um, I, I think it's kind of Jack Eichel or bust for Vegas probably. Because you know, do you see this team being able to meet with the Avalanche in the Western Conference Finals and beat them right now? Um. It would be a close series. I mean, the Avalanche, I worry that they haven't learned their lesson from, you know, the series this last year that just happened against the Golden Knights, um, that you have to, you know, sustain a certain level of play and that you're talented enough to beat them, but, you know, you have to keep that up. And I think there's still that mental component. You know, I, if I was the Avs, I would have changed the coach. I don't think Bednar's the guy, but, you know, moving on from that, I I, I don't know. I they, they seem to lose to these teams that are less talented than they are and that, you know, that they should be. And I think, you know, the center center depth issue is probably a big reason for that. But I'm interested to see though, who's your player to watch for the Golden Knights this year? Who's yeah. Who's going to be that X factor to try and get him over the hump? Yeah. You know, I, I, I in part just want to say Nolan Patrick, just because again, it's, it's put up or shut up time for him on whether or not he wants to be known as a bust or not. Uh, so that's, that's interesting, but obviously he's, there's so many other people on this team to really look at. Um, again, if you're new to hockey, please watch Shea Theodore. I think he's an underrated defenseman who does a lot of things really great. 
Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. You know, Mark Stone's a fantastic player again, but we all know that. I don't know. I don't really have one player to watch. It's, it's more of just how as a team are, are they going to make up for this, this lack of center depth come playoff time? Cause regular season, as we were saying, we've been saying they're all just going to do well. Like they're just deeper than most teams. I'm, I'm really curious to see how they match up with Seattle though. I think that's going to be oh, really interesting because I think Seattle has far better center depth than this team does. They probably beat out Seattle in just about every other part of the game. But I think when it comes to the centers, I think, you know, Seattle might be able to, to do some stuff against this team. But uh, what about you? Do you have one specific player in mind? Um, you did mention him, Shea Theodore, right? Former Seattle Thunderbird, but he had a little bit of a down year last season. And certainly in the playoffs, he didn't, you know, he didn't really have it going like he had in years past. And I think with the Golden Knights bringing in Alex Petrangelo, if you can get in the playoffs Theodore doing his thing and Petrangelo playing well, I think that's going to be very hard to stop. And I think that's something that could push them over to the next level. I mean, Shea Theodore, he can provide scoring from the blue line in a way that very few defensemen can. And that even when the forwards aren't going, when the centers aren't doing what they should be, you know, he'll, he'll send this pinpoint point shot in right under the bar and supply a big goal, but he's got to be on to do that. And he wasn't uh, in last year's playoffs. So Shea Theodore, I think he's going to be an X factor for them. Yeah. I, I almost think them bringing Petrangelo in was actually part of the reason that Theodore maybe had some issues last year, just the, the reshuffling of the blue line and everything. I, I think that might've been it, but I think having a year of that under his belt, is probably going to help him bounce back. And yeah, he's just going to make this team scarier than it already is. I know it sounds like we've been talking, you know, down on them a little bit, but it's it's only because they haven't won a cup when otherwise they probably should have by now. So it's don't, in by no means take this as us saying they're bad or that they are not, you know, going to win this division and that they're not going to be a big handful for Seattle to deal with every time that Seattle has to play them. Um, but looking at this division as a whole, as we kind of wrap this up, RJ, got to feel pretty good about what the Kraken are walking into, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you look, this is a this is a pretty weak division. Um, and yeah, I think the Kraken should be able to compete for that, you know, second or third spot. Um, I do think Vegas will run away with the division title. But beyond that, I mean, you have teams with just so many question marks. And I know the Kraken having never played before, you know, are, are one of those teams, but I think they stack up very well. And even with Vegas, we talked about, you know, oh, well, they're, you know, they're, they're very good at this compared to the other teams in the division. Well, except Seattle, or, you know, I didn't take into account Seattle, you know, with the goaltending, like that sort of thing. Um, so I think they do compare pretty favorably. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I, I think Seattle, you know, Assuming everyone comes together and they can build chemistry relatively quickly, all the normal questions that would surround a team full of, you know, basically 30 something individuals coming together that haven't played with each other before. Um, assuming all that stuff figures itself out relatively quickly and it doesn't cause problems that last the full season, this team will make the playoffs in this division. I think that the three playoff teams, you know, they, they, they almost have to be barring injuries or anything crazy. Vegas, Seattle, Edmonton. And then I think, I don't know that any of the other teams are going to be super significant come wild card time. 
compared to the teams that they're going to be going up against uh, in the rest of the Western Conference. Um, you know, as I said before, I think the Kings have a, have a chance to surprise if all those young kids come in and, you know, kind of provide that shot in the arm. Um, uh, otherwise, you know, maybe Vancouver, if everything lands their way. Do you, do you think this division produces four playoff teams? You know, looking at it, I, I think it does because I think we're going to get one surprise out of Calgary, Vancouver, or L.A., I think one of those teams is going to do a lot better than expected. Um, as for which one, it's anyone's guess. I couldn't tell you. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to get one that, that goes ahead, as good as the Central Division is. Uh, and I think we're probably going to get one Central team that we think is going to do well that disappoints. So I think that's what it'll be. Yeah, I mean, odds odds are it's most likely going to be split 4-4. That's generally what it usually is. So, uh, But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch as all this uh, plays out that's for sure super excited for seattle to be playing i mean less than a month away rj just a couple weeks it's it's, it's yep. here oh my gosh i'm so excited uh but that's gonna do it for today for us um you know as always thanks for joining us let us know in the comments down below if you're listening to this on youtube make sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel um if you're listening on one of the podcasting services you know Make sure to follow us on all those, all that stuff. Promote us to your friends, you know, all, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, we're going to see you guys later. Bye.